Welcome to the Hub Crawl, a roundtable podcast discussing all things Disney. I'm Eric. And I'm Tag. Each episode, we invite two guests to bring a question and talk about one of our favorite things, Disney. This week, we want to welcome Amanda to the show. She's the co-owner of Where in the Park. She loves to explore and appreciate the details of theme parks. I think we'll need a little more information about Where the Park at some point in the episode. Thanks for joining us this week. Thank you so much for having us. It's a pleasure to be here. Also joining us this week is the other co-owner of Where in the Park, who also loves theme parks and their histories. Welcome Kevin to the show. Hey everybody. How's it going? Well, th- thank you both for joining us. Of course, we'll talk a little bit more about Where in the Park later, which, by the way, spoiler alert for the future, is a very <gasps> fun game to play in the park. And I definitely need to do it more because the one time I did play it in the park, it was great. So uh, we'll just have to remember that for the future. So... Let's start off with our first question from Eric. Which Disney book is your favorite? And that can be a book about Disney, a book from Disney. Just what what book do you really, what book have you read so many times? Yeah. Um, so we'll start out with Amanda. Read so many times. Was not expecting that curveball. Well, we have a <laughs> <That's> lot. <okay. laughs> we have a lot of Disney books here, and to be fair, we have not read all of them yet. But one, Same. <laughs> the, the, the book that really stood out to me when I saw this question was the Disney A to Z Encyclopedia by Dave Smith. So, in no way have I read it cover to cover because <laughs> it is a thick book. It's so uh, much. But basically anything by Dave Smith, because if it, if it weren't for Dave, so much would be lost to time and we wouldn't we wouldn't know. Right. So that that's the first book that came to mind that you know, we've referenced, you know, here and there. But there's just so much detail and, and things that, yeah, it's just a wealth of knowledge. So, Tig, what about you? Well, you know, this was a tough one because I don't read a ton of the books that I have. And just like you, you know, I've got this whole library behind me of books that, you know, I've read probably maybe a quarter of, to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of the Mouse Tales books that I read a long time ago and kind of plowed through or whatever. But I'll have to say that one of my favorite reads that I read the whole book was Disneyland the Nickel Tour. And you can't find this book anymore. And I got very lucky. There's there's a couple books in my collection, this one and From Sketch to Reality, the Disneyland Paris book that I bought on Amazon when I was first buying anything on Amazon. And I thought, oh, well, I like Disney books. I'll get some of these. And then a few years later, I found out since I started podcasting and everything that uh, you can't buy them anymore. And they're like collector's That's items. Super rare. I didn't even know. But the Nickel Tour is wonderful because, for those of you who don't know, the Nickel Tour is postcards from all the different years of the park. And they have, like, stories about them and kind of shows the history of the park through postcards. So there's a lot of really cool things in there that were made into postcards, especially back in the day. And I just thought it was kind of cool. And I enjoyed reading all the stories about things I didn't know about and just learning about a lot of the postcards have, like, little weird eccentricities to them and stuff like that. So I really enjoyed it. Uh, there's other Disney books that I enjoyed, but that was the one I think that I enjoyed more than the others, I guess. I don't know. How about you, Kevin? What's your favorite Disney book? Like everybody else, like we have a big backlog of books. Uh, one of the few that actually made it all the way through is Magic Journey by Kevin Rafferty. 
he's a former Imagineer and he wrote kind of his memoir of his time at Imagineering. And it's just such a fun read. If you haven't read it, I recommend it. He goes through like his history of getting into the job where he started as a cook, I believe, over at uh, Disneyland and just kind of worked his way up slowly and surely through the years. It has um, a fun story about him uh, creating Cars Land. It has like a haunted hotel story that is just <laughs> fantastic. So yeah, that's uh, my top choice. You guys heard about that one or no? Yeah, we I actually... have it. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was ahead, just going to say I have it. It's on my list. It's I was trying to reach it. It's a little a little far away to reach, but it's it's on my, it's on my bookshelf over here. <laughs> on my other podcast, we have a community book club, and it actually I think was it was either our last book club choice or the choice before. And unfortunately, I never have enough time to read and take part uh, participate in the book clubs. But Teresa said it was wonderful, so I definitely would love to read it. And Kevin Rafferty is amazing, so. It's a very easy read, because like I said, usually I get about like a few like chapters in. I'm like, I'll get back to this when I have time, you know. But his book, I'm like, I have to keep going. What is happening? It just, it just felt like cliffhangers all the time. So oh, awesome. How about you, Eric? I'm going to go with, yeah, again, plenty of books here, plenty of things that I've just recently purchased. I'm looking forward to Dave Bossert's House of Tomorrow, and there are a few other books on my dining room table right next to the copy of elemental that just came in so but really one of the ones that i go back to the most is sam genoway's the disneyland story and this is something that listeners know i'm a walt disney world guy i grew up at walt disney world i didn't go to disneyland until 2016 and listening to podcasts about disneyland and then reading this book prepared me in such a weird way where the first time I went to Disneyland, it already felt like home. <laughs> like Aww. it already felt special because I had the connection to Walt Disney world. I'd been there plenty of times. And then to go to Disneyland and go, Oh, I get it now. Cause as a kid, you're like, well, well, why would I go to the one in California? I mean, we, we've got this one that's bigger. It's really well-written. It's very exhaustive. It doesn't get all the, I mean, it obviously stops at some point, <laughs> but it really gets into a lot of detail about the creation of Disneyland, the people that were involved with it. And it's an unofficial story. So they actually mentioned CV Wood in it. And <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's one of my favorites. And I go back to it a lot as I'm researching for shows or trying to remind myself of things that went on. So I, I've bought the book on paper and electronically so that it's easier to search on my Kindle. So that wraps up our first question. Amanda, what is your question? Okay, so if you could ask Walt Disney just one question, what would you ask him? Ting, start with you. Oh, man. Wow. I mean, I feel like you'd have to ask some type of crazy open-ended question, right? Because you just want to listen to him talk forever and not do something that's he's just going to be able to give a short answer to. But, I mean, there's a plethora of options here. But I think because I'm a parks person, I think I would ask how he felt about the parks, how they've grown and developed since his death. Does he, is he happy with it? Have they gone in the direction that he thinks is interesting? Is he, you know, just kind of hopefully he's he's either happy with everything and obviously a lot of technology and stuff would be totally crazy for him to see nowadays. But also would he kind of feel like, hmm, 
I feel like we'd be further along by this point or something like that. So I don't know. It's hard to tell, but I'm, I'd be curious to know what he thinks about it because we always have that question, you know, what what would Walt do? And so I'm just kind of curious uh, how he would feel about that. And also, you know, Walt Disney World, how would he feel that Epcot never became a thing and they just built a bunch of theme parks? I feel like he might be disappointed by that. <laughs> That's but, good. Just thinking but, that right uh, now. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, I mean, it was this big, like, dream, and he passed before he could see it realized, and man, look at that video. I I wish he would have stuck around for a while. Anyway, Kevin, what about you? You know, I was uh, just thinking, I know I wrote down a question, or an answer to that question earlier. No, I'll get to it, because it's still something I'm curious about. But, like, as far as the stuff that he was working on before he died, you're right, because, like, Epcot and um, uh, Mineral King, right? I think that's where the Country Bear Jamboree was supposed to go. Mm-hmm. Stuff that probably would have happened if he hadn't passed away. Yeah, I'm curious, like, what his viewpoint would be on the company today. But um, in regards to that, one question I'd be curious. I think, I, I don't know if I would have, like, the gall to actually ask it. But <laughs> here on a podcast, just, like, shooting it out there, something I'm curious about is what his opinion would be on liquor sales at the Castle Parks today. If he would be for it, against it, you know, I imagine he'd be for it personally because so much has changed since he opened Disneyland back in 55 as far as public views on alcohol drinking like it was more taboo back then than it is today so I think that he would be more okay with it especially after seeing it at his other parks like the way that they implemented it obviously without his input and it seems like it hasn't been a total train wreck I could see him being for it but I'd be curious to see his actual viewpoint on it if it was just a corporate decision or if it was a personal decision for him. I think you could make the argument with Epcot that you said it hasn't been a train wreck. I feel like sometimes at Epcot it can be a train wreck. That's Eric, we've been there speak more to this than I can. Depends on the food. Uh, yeah. the right, right. I mean, that right there is such a huge moneymaker. And Walt's a businessman. He's a showman, He's a bit, but he's also a businessman. And I think he would have gotten behind it. And the way that they've gone about it is... It's all it's all so very hesitant, like, well, you can you can have a beer, but only at Blue Bayou. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I think it would be fine. I don't think he'd be he was he was worried about roustabouts and, and such. But uh, I mean, at the same time, it, have you heard about Holiday Land? Yeah. I mean, I've heard of Holiday Land. Yeah. Holiday Land was a chunk of just outside the park, just outside of Frontierland, where he would rent out a basically like kind of like field space for corporate events. And they would serve beer there. And these like drunken businessmen would wander across the the, the railroad tracks into Disneyland because there wasn't really a lot of fence there. It's one of those things that started out early on where it's like that you, you hear all the stories about creating something that isn't just your local carnival, but Walt also built a carnival next to the park yeah. and he built this little corporate like retreat space. And that was just like, hey, we've got extra land. Let's just make a little extra cash here. We'll get some additional people interested. The Mickey Mouse Circus never caught on. It it was poorly attended. But I'm going way back into uh, I'm delving into other shows here. But (laughs) but yeah, that's the idea. I don't. Yeah, I think he would have been fine with it the way that they're approaching it these days and maybe would have done it sooner. Yeah, one of the things that made me think about it was when we were in Washington, D.C. earlier this year, we went to one of the Smithsonian museums. They had a whole exhibit on wine drinking in America. 
And they had a little like panel thing explaining that people in America didn't regularly drink wine with dinner until the 1970s. It was considered like a taboo thing until around that 1970s. This is kind of like the tipping point where it became normal to drink wine with dinner. I'm like, if Walt was alive in the 70s and he saw that change, would he have like waited another 50 years before going like, we can serve alcohol at the castle parks, guys. It's fine. That's really interesting. Yeah. So that's the reason huh. why I wanted to ask him that question. Eric, you, you said something I, I feel like I had to point out and laugh about, which is you said, oh, hey, we've got extra land. And I'm just thinking extra land at Disneyland. No, <laughs> that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> anyway. And that was that was it. Like it's it's chunks. I mean, they've obviously overtaken those parts of the park over the years. But hey, read Sam Genoa's book, The Disneyland Story, to learn more <laughs> about all of these things. <laughs> so what'd you ask, Mark? Uh, well, thanks for asking, Kevin. I want to know if he ever planned to retire. No. Like the man was a machine. I don't think he ever would, but I want to I want to know, like, did it ever enter his head? Could w- will you ever rest? The man went from building an animation studio and then changing the way we did animation, doing animation in an amazing new way and giving it respect by the film going community. And then he created a park that was wildly popular. And then he wanted to make a city. What was next, Walt? What was next? Because I don't think I don't think he ever planned to retire, but I wanted I want to know if he ever thought like mm, that'll when I get this done, when I get Epcot done, I'll it, that'll be enough. That that's kind of where where I'm thinking. Amanda, how about you? Man, well, take back to your question about <laughs> you know, like what is his thought about the 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 parks and stuff? I think about that question every time I'm at a Disney park. Like at some point in the day, whether it's walking down Main Street or seeing a show or something, I think about that of like. I hope that Walt would be proud of this, you know, and it's just that, that moment of just appreciation. So I'm really glad that you asked that question because I was going to take that question, <laughs> but, but I didn't, but you know what though, before, I, like, I think about this and this is weird, but like, if you look at the first like 10 years of Disneyland and you look at video footage or photos or anything of Disneyland, it is not nearly as gorgeous and lushly themed and polished as it is today. And sometimes I forget that, like, the Disneyland we know today is not what Walt saw Disneyland as. Mm-hmm. You know, the Jungle Cruise wasn't fully, you know, the plants had not grown. Like, like just, just from that perspective... The park looks so different now, and and you just need time for it to get there. So it's just interesting to me because I think about that, and I I look back at like op- the opening day, and I'm like, you know, this was very chintzy in a way. Like it had some theming, but it was kind of not that spectacular if you just took it at what it was. But Walt made it this great thing, and over time, he made it better, and the company has done that. So anyway, it's just I sometimes have to remember that like. As much as we judge the Disney company for what they do at the parks, I think he would be flabbergasted just by how well everything looks and is upkept and stuff, even still today. Anyway, sorry, I don't mean to take it away, but I just wanted to... That's something I think about all the time, because I see all these old photos and stuff, and I'm like, wow, there used to be like a chain link fence in the front, and <laughs> that's not there anymore. <laughs> right. 
Absolutely. Well, that's actually a good segue because the question that I would ask him would would be, what advice would you give to Disney leadership right now? Be it parks, like it'd be multiple, right? Parks, movies, animation, the whole gamut. Like what advice do you, would you give each of those departments? And I could think of a bazillion things, <laughs> different directions that he could go. But I think that would be so interesting to see the gears turning, you know, of how to write the ship as it were. So. Cause he did it so many times. Yeah. <laughs> Disney was yeah. Disney almost failed so many times. Yeah, and so well, to I'm, now have I'm, this wide spectrum of you know Marvel and Pixar and and Fox. all of this and Fox and you know the different parks, like I think his head would just explode. But you know, <laughs> then he would take each piece and be like, "All right, this is how we're going to do it," and this is what advice I would give them. I wonder how he would feel about the fact that I mean, I think he'd be okay with it because we've moved into a new type of animation with computer animation. But I kind of wonder if, like, the start of the company with, like, hand-drawn animation, the fact that they don't really have that much anymore, if at all, I wonder mm-hmm. if you'd be, like, very, like, sad about that, like, that that's kind of their roots or not. Yeah, but or, he always pushed things is, forward. He was yeah, always yeah. on the next kind of thing. Making things, yeah. Yeah. I think he would to- totally embrace computer animation. Yeah. It's just interesting, because, like, I mean, I'll, nobody, nobody but Walt would know what Walt would think about any of this stuff. Exactly. But so people trying right, to guess right. and all this stuff. You know, we met a lady in Marceline that was, she worked with Walt back in the day. And I don't remember how it came up, but we were talking to her about how how much we liked the fact that Kim Irvine at Disneyland was doing a really good job kind of maintaining and keeping, like, the the old stuff kind of alive. And, like, you know, the ca- you know the castle got repainted and looked so beautiful and everything. And this lady said... Walt would not have liked the castle like it is. It was supposed to blend uh-huh. into the background, and now it pops too much, and the scale's all off, and all of this stuff. And I was like, the "Scale hasn't oh. changed." <laughs> oh, no. But but the but the forced perspective <laughs> with the paint yeah. job, I guess, looks different or something. So okay. I don't yeah, know. The trees are huge behind it. She yeah. was very very adamant that Walt would not be happy with it, but <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? She doesn't know. I don't think really. Who knows? It was her name, Inez. No, it was. Oh man, is that the lady that we met in Marceline who who worked with Walt? I think she's no, met. She's met Walt. she was the she was the one who designed the haunted mansion wallpaper. Oh no, and she didn't even know she did it. I just, I know her. Oh my gosh, uh, I, I'm blanking on her name right now. Yeah, Yeah, she's she's wonderful. I've met her a few times. Yeah, she's 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 like uh she's originally from like England and she's yeah. got that yeah. stiff upper lip kind of thing going on with it. But anyway, she she was fun, but she was like, No, Walt would not like it. Tanya Norris. <laughs> so. Tanya Norris. This is where I got the Nora from. Norris. Yep. Norris, yep, that's what it was. Yeah. Yep. That's gonna drive me bonkers. We don't I know, that. right? She's so sweet. <laughs> she's wonderful. You guys need a where in the park for Disney knowledge. Ooh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Well, that is two questions down, which means we've reached our halfway point. If you like listening to the show and you want to keep supporting us so we can keep putting out an episode every couple weeks and you want to get access to our bonus question that we do every single week, which, by the way, this week's bonus question is which Disney sequel deserves a mulligan 
which is basically like a do-over. So something that turned out pretty okay for you, or or like they like it wasn't great, but it could be better. It was a sequel of something. That's what we asked. We asked that in our Discord chat for our supporters, and they put out some answers, and we'll read those a little bit later when we do our bonus question. So if you want to become a supporter for as little as $5 a month, head on over to thehubcrawl.com slash support and sign up. Well, let's get back to those questions. Teg, what did you bring this week? So I don't know where I got this question. I put this in like weeks ago and forgot about it. But <laughs> in your opinion, what is the best movie that Disney has ever made? Kevin, what do you think? I think that's a very bold question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Subjective, right? Subjective. Right. I mean, I thought hard about it, and I kept going back to Mary Poppins. So I'm sticking with that for now. If you ask me a month from now, it might change. Like we've been saying, like we're park people here. So if you know Mary Poppins, you know, like beside it being a fun movie, it's also kind of what led to Mapo, which is where um, there's like the development place for all of the like rides and stuff for Disney. I would argue like the modern theme park industry wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the success of Mary Poppins, hmm. which is kind of a weird take on what's the best movie, but, <laughs> but no, that's, that's kind valid. of where I come into it from. There you go. Yeah. So what about you, Eric? I, I like that answer because of the the thought that you put behind it. Because, yeah, when it comes to best, it's so general. And if you're parks people, then, yeah, it makes sense. The the money for Mary Poppins saved the company yet again. And I'm going with Snow White, which definitely saved the company. Oh. Walt poured so much into it. The animators poured so much into it. Like listening to stories and reading stories about the animators and what they went through. Like Ward Kimball was studying... Well, I guess all the animators were studying actual human movement and trying to figure out, okay, we've done all these silly gags for years. How do we make this different? How do we make it better? They've got these funny dwarfs and Ward did this whole sequence that ended up getting cut from the movie and he almost quit because he spent months working on this main this main deleted scene sequence, which is in some of the later releases as a as a bonus. They've put some of that animation back in, but he almost quit because he he had devoted his life to this. And he thought that this was going to be his big thing. And then learning how to draw a human that looked like a human, Uh, the evil queen before she changed into the hag snow white, the prince, it was such a huge thing. And they set the bar so high that eventually they couldn't keep up because they needed so many people to do this. And it cost so much money, millions of dollars to make an animated feature by hand. And eventually they said, and eh, we got to change up the process. And and they did. And, you know, that's kind of the, the story of the later movies, but I, they changed animation in a way where no one, no one took it seriously. They, it's another one of Walt's follies. He really went for it and said, this is what I need to do. When he presented it to the company, he was such a showman. He, he sent them all off to dinner and he took them back to, he took them Back to the the studio after they all had dinner that he paid for, and he put on a show. He acted out the entire movie for them to say, this is what we're doing. Uh, he was so devoted to it, and he he succeeded. Sure, it didn't win. It didn't win for best animated feature because they didn't have a best animated feature. But, and it didn't get quite the acclaim that he wanted, but it's still an, this immortal movie that in a lot of ways still holds up. 
it changed what we what we think of as animation. All of these important Hollywood people went and saw it on the opening night and said, yeah, we're in. Do more of this, Walt. This is what you can do. Yeah, that's why I'm saying it's it's the best. It's the first and in many ways the best, in my opinion. Amanda, what's your take? Well, when you were giving your explanation about Snow White, it made me think when or we were asked, like, if you can go back in time in one moment in Disney history, like just to be a fly on the wall in my moment was when Walt went through the storyboards and acted out Snow White. I would have loved to see that performance. And so when you were describing that, it just took me right back there. So I'm getting chills. Yeah. yeah, He did the voices and everything. Like what? He did impressions of of all these characters and crazy. And just to see that passion and that, that would have just been not knowing it was going to go anywhere. Really? You know, Mm -hmm. Just, hey, you guys have a crazy idea, and this is it. Yeah. Yeah. But to answer the question of, you know, what is the best Disney movie, my answer, I was looking, like, all around good time for for a movie, and it's got to be Aladdin for several reasons. One, you have, first and foremost, Robin Williams, genius. And to know that he kind of just improved a lot of the genie's lines and he is the genie. Like no other person could have filled those shoes and he's so iconic, you know? So to have him do what he does is just perfection. The music, everyone can sing the music from Aladdin. The animation, the the character development, it's just, it's got everything. It's got it all. It's so, all the marks. Yeah. yeah. So it's got to be Aladdin yeah. for me. Tig, what about you? I'll tell you, man, Aladdin is a great, I mean, all three of the movies you guys picked, wonderful. Mm-hmm. You know, people always shun me because I said I'm not like a Disney movie person, I'm a Disney parks person. So I haven't seen a lot of the Disney movies. I know, I know, I know. But I, you I know, haven't Mary, seen Bolt. Bolt's so there's pretty that. Good. Bolt's pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty right good. your answer. <laughs> Question. So you were talking about Aladdin, right? So you're talking yeah. about Rob Williams and all these things. Did you watch Once Upon a Studio? Yes. Okay. I think that cut lines from Aladdin were used for him popping out as the genie talking to Olaf or whatever. Because that was definitely yeah. Robin Williams. They voice. were. It was definitely Robin Williams. Yeah. Um, I read something about it that they they had some audio that they used for it. Yeah. Yeah. That was wonderful. So I, and they got permission of the estate. Oh, oh that's sorry. good because he got mad about that before, right? Like they, they mm-hmm. for the original lad, he wasn't supposed to be that wasn't supposed to be used for like promotional things or something like that. Yeah, he didn't want the commercialization yeah. of it, I believe. Yeah, right. I mean, now that I said that, I don't know. I don't know if it counts as a movie, but I think that Once Upon a Studio thing was pretty dang awesome, to be honest with you. I didn't know what to expect, and I went into it. And that touching moment with Mickey and Walt, I thought was great. The characters interacting with each other, just, uh, uh, it was wonderful. So it might be, you know, the best thing Disney uh, has made, especially recently, anyway. I think it, sh- I think it should be a full-length feature. Yeah, they should really expand it. would be pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I got to go with, like, Mary Poppins. I, I think, for me, my favorite, mo- one, of my- one of my favorites, I guess I won't say my favorite, but I do like The Emperor's New Groove because it's just such a silly thing. And if you ever read the history of that movie and how many like story rewrites and retakes and all of this stuff that it took, and the fact that it ever even came out is just a blessing. And it 
it also is music that's being so, recorded. It's so quotable. There's so many ridiculous things in it. Like I love that they were they were racing them back, and they're like, "How did we get back so fast?" And they're like, "I don't know. Even by even by any account, it doesn't make any sense." Like I love it. It's got Patrick Warburton in it. Ah, oh, anyway, it's a good one. This one's the best. I agree. That was another great round of discussion. Now we move on to our last question from Kevin. Oh, yeah. I uh, actually have to say my question. All right. So there are many styles of roller coasters. Again, we're theme park people here, right? So we don't do just Disney. We go to other parks, and there's so many styles of roller coasters in this world. But Disney kind of just has their regular steel with the seats where you like are inside of the little spot where you can't put your backpack down, you know? The usual kind of like standard roller coasters. Tubular coaster. steel roller coasters. Tubular steel with like a sit down <laughs> uh, train, if that makes yeah. sense. If Disney was to add an other kind of roller coaster, because they recently added Tron, which is a different style of roller coaster. It's one of the few mm-hmm. that's been a variant of the roller coaster uh, world. If they could choose an other one and add it to any Disney park, which park would they add it to? What would the ride be? And what would the theme be? Eric, what do you think? I, I was saying before the show, that I I spent a lot of time thinking about this, and apparently my answer vanished because sometimes sometimes it does that. I don't know. Maybe I closed the laptop too quickly afterward. But I love a good wooden, like old school wooden roller coaster. But we've got the Incredicoaster that's supposed to look like that, and I I kept trying to think of something that would fit that. But like Big Thunder Mountain is kind of like you think of like a western with an old one or a like an old pier attraction like we've got a paradise pier so i i tossed that and i went into the flying realm like everybody else here and i want to do a rocketeer and i want to put it at hollywood studios because it feels right for the time it feels like it should have been there when mgm opened is the timing right i'd have to check i can't remember plus mgm plus hollywood studios needs more things it needs a yeah it, it needs more stuff to do it's got a roller coaster it's it's a great roller coaster that's a little getting a little little janky, but hey, it's great. Love the rock and roller coaster, but but yeah, the Rocketeer was a movie that didn't quite make it. And if you read into it, it's a lot of studio involvement. It's a lot of weird stuff. Um, it was supposed to be a tribute to the old serials and everything, not breakfast serials, the old movie serials, <laughs> and. It, yeah, I really liked it as a kid, and I've watched it recently, and it's it's not the best, but I love Jennifer Connelly, and uh, I, I love a movie that's set in, in like a weird period piece. Then I don't think the 90s did period pieces well. Maybe that's it. Uh, we got like Dick Tracy. That didn't quite work out. But but yeah, like have a have a fun attraction with strap on a rocket pack and fly around this roller coaster trying to escape Nazis in America. It's it would be great. It's um, I don't have a lot of <laughs> right. Exactly. It was the perfect foil. Everybody hates the Nazis except for those who don't. And let's not talk about them. Yeah, Amanda. <laughs> no, let's talk about something else. I heard they're working on a cartoon on the based on the Rocketeer. I don't know if that's still in the I, books or not. There's a lot of it keeps popping up every once in a while. It's one of those properties that they want to reboot. I'd love to see a reboot because I think somebody else could do it better and i think disney's in a better position now to say no you can do you could do something that fits like this like did anybody see sky captain and the world of tomorrow it wasn't a disney movie i think i did see it but that was i i think that was 90s and that was a that was an early jude law 
oh wow this is all flooding back (laughs) but it was it was definitely in that vein of like let's recreate an old serial because it was in black and white and there were zeppelins and it was 2004 eric 2004 2004 oh gosh that would would explain all the bad cg in it yeah (laughs) is that the one that was like mostly green screens or is that a different i think it was mostly green screens yeah Yeah, it was and it was bad it was it was like it it was like george lucas a, a dream of george lucas but they didn't have quite the 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 cash that he did to make another star Wars. Anyway, that that was my random thing that I came up with today. Amanda, tell us about your coaster. Well, that's a good one. And I'm going to (laughs) stick with the Hollywood studios as well. I think that the animation courtyard at Hollywood studios just in general needs an overhaul. And my favorite type of roller coaster that's not utilized in the Disney parks is a flying coaster like we've talked about and I would love to see a Big Hero 6 flying coaster I wanted so bad and (laughs) having the animation courtyard with San Francisco you can totally make it happen just, I, I know we have San Francisco here at California Adventure. I get it. It's super cute, but we need a ride. We need a ride. And what better ride than a flying coaster where you're like riding with Baymax and you're like going about town. And I think it would be amazing. And Grab yourself onto Baymax and go. I like it. <laughs> let's go. Yeah. So, Tag, what about you? Man. You know, I saw flying, and the first thing I thought of was Big Hero 6 and Baymax, because Baymax is awesome. But I'll tell you, from watching Wondrous Journeys, the fireworks show at Disneyland this last year, people love Baymax, and it would be so awesome to have a coaster like that. I'm going to stick to something that's got to be in Disneyland, though, or California Adventure. I know Hollywood Studios need some help, but if, if Big Hero 6 was being built in Hollywood Studios, I was looking at a satellite view just a minute ago. And there's nowhere that you could fit a coaster in San Francisco Square. And I didn't even realize <laughs> this, but one side of San Francisco Square is the pier that comes up and goes over by a credit coaster, which I didn't realize it was quite like that, but it does curve that way. Mm-hmm. And then the back side of San Francisco Square is the back side of the mountain range for Cars Land. And then the other side of San Francisco Square is the main road for Cars Land. So Cars Land on two sides has made this impossible. So Mm -hmm. can't build that in California, unfortunately. But I'll say I want to do a flying one as well. And maybe like a Peter Pan attraction. Maybe it's one of those ones where you start standing and it Mm -hmm. like tilts forward. So you're kind of like laying down and you could fly around as Peter Pan. I guess that doesn't really fit anywhere in Disneyland, though, because you can't really... I mean, if they ever tear out half of Autopia and Fantasyland takes over the Autopia, you could put it over there and that'd be really cool. I guess that's that's the best I got. But uh, Big Hero 6, I'm there for it. I just wish it was at Disneyland, but there's no room for it. So, Kevin, what about you? Did you have some great answer when you came I, up with this question? You know, I just thought it was a good question, but I didn't have an answer to. Like, listen to you guys. I'm thinking, like, if it's a flying coaster, it's going to be Iron Man. But um, <sighs> that's just me. But I was thinking a suspended roller coaster Duh. would be great for a, a family-friendly suspended coaster based off Monsters, Inc., I think would be good. Oh, with the doors. Yeah, if you do like an indoors one, yeah, I think that'd be fantastic. Oh, that's, that's cool. Good design one. 
Oh, you could have doors that the yeah. that the car yeah. goes through, and then it's like a different room, and then oh, that could be cool. That's so great! That's a great idea. I think they'd, they'd be better than the current ride. So, so I would still put it in a DCA personally, but just replace the uh, the Superstar limo guts with a roller coaster. Well, I mean, you know, you there's that to... whole warehouse on either side of Monsters mm-hmm. Inc. that you could put True. it in. I was just thinking that you do have, have a the room space. for it. As for a That's giant suspended roller coaster, though, it might be a little tough. Well, if it's a family friendly one, like they have like that True. little, like, they have smaller versions where it's like two by or one by one, I guess, so two per um, like train row. That's so true. there are smaller ways to do a suspended coaster. They're not all uh, the four cross. That's true. I was thinking, you know, yeah, rip out the whole area. It's fine. I mean, that whole area <laughs> can just go. Yeah, it's fine. It's, right. it's got use lots fancy. of potential. Yes. Yeah. Use, use the Philhar Magic Theater, just all of it. Go. They're barely using that <laughs> yeah. right now as it is. So, right. You know, we were in Paris. Speaking of small, like family friendly coasters, we were in Paris this summer and we went on the uh, Crushes coaster thing that mm-hmm. like had a massive a line. That was so fun. We James and I, it ended up being, I think, our favorite attraction in the Hollywood Studios park. Like it was, it was pretty cool. It was unexpected. There's a lift hill, and then you immediately have this like, like it switch. I don't know. It it became way more than we thought it was going to be from what we could see from outside. But anyway, yes, you only see a split second from outside compared to everything that's in the actual building. Yeah. A lot of those rides, yeah, it feels a little bit like the uh, submarines at the beginning. Then it gets up that lift hill, like you said. All of a sudden, you're spinning around in the dark. It becomes Space Mountain, kind of, but spinning. It's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, that was about it for this episode of The Hub Crawl. We would like to thank our guests. Where can people find you? What do you have to plug, Kevin? Oh, yeah. We haven't talked about what we actually do. We create (laughs) scavenger hunt games that you play at theme parks. So that's uh, what we're here for. Um, so if you ever go to the parks, you're like, I don't want to stand in a long line for a ride today. You can go on our scavenger hunt game and have a really great time. So all of our uh, games come with cards on them that have images that we've taken from the theming of the parks. So nothing is in line for rides or you don't have to be on a ride or anything. So the whole point is that anyone can play, whether they want to go on rides or can't go on rides, you know, like. Yeah, it's just kind of a all access kind of fun for parks. Yeah, so it gives you a better appreciation for the details that are at your favorite parks. We have Disneyland, California Adventure. We have other non-Disney parks. Like, we have all the Disney World parks as well. Yes, so we have 13 theme parks right now. And we are currently working on nine more that are in the oh. pipeline. And oh, wait, by the time this comes out, we will have Great America out. Yeah, so yeah. eight. Eight in the pipeline. Which Great America? California's Great America. And oh, California. Okay. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, so we have we have different packs depending on how long you want to play. We have our fun packs, which is eight images that takes about an hour or two to play. And then we have our challenge pack, which is 30 images. And that will obviously take longer. But the the point is that you can stop and start whenever you'd like. There's no set time limit. So if you want to take a couple of cards, you know, on one trip, take another couple of the next trip, totally fine. We do give you hints and answers to all of the images. So if you need that extra nudge, we got you covered. 
And, and yeah, if anything's missing, we have replacement cards. Yes. Yeah. So if anything is hidden by holiday decor or construction walls, or it's completely gone, like, you know, Toontown's under construction for a few months, never coming back, you know, a particular image is gone. We got you. We will give you a digital card replacement that that will supplement the, the image that's no longer there. So yeah. you get them at our website, wherinthepark.com. Yes. This game is so much fun. For Teresa and I, who like are pretty familiar with the parks, there were some cards that I was like, oh, I know where this is. And we went and found it. Bathroom. There was a bathroom sign that we were able to find fairly easily. But there were some other things that we were like, where would this be? And we refused <laughs> to scratch off the hints because it's kind of like a, like, a, like a scratcher, like a lotto ticket to scratch off for the hints and the answers and stuff. So we refused to do that because... What we wanted to do is we want to go through the whole pack and find all of the things, and then we want to like pass the pack on to someone else, because nice. that's a great way to do it, right? Once you found everything once, you don't need to keep it and go through it again, but you can pass it along to, to friends or family. I'm sure that Amanda and Kevin would rather you buy another pack, but <laughs> buy a different pack. You're There's welcome, packs Mr. for the other parks. There's packs for parks that are not Disney parks, so... It was a lot of fun when we did it. And one of the fun things that we enjoyed doing was taking photos with the card, pointing at the thing, and then sending it to Amanda and Kevin so they can see, <laughs> we found one. Yes. I don't think they'll ever post those because it kind of gives away part of the game. Yeah. That but might, I'm sure that yeah. they enjoy seeing yes, people we found did. things. We, we totally enjoy it. Anybody who, who's listening who's played one of our games... We would love to see your photos. Please share them, DM us, email us, what, whatever you need to do to send us those photos. And if you're at the parks, send us a picture of a detail. Let's see if we know where in the park you are. It's Ooh. always fun to do. I, take, I like to take pictures of numbers and <laughs> in the parks. I've been taking, I've been wondering, like, what do I do with this? And it like at Animal Kingdom, there are so many stickers around the parks, yes. like travel stickers. And I've been taking pictures of those for years. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing with this. I I don't blog very much anymore, so I don't know what I do with them. But I remember there we go. when I listened to that episode, I I was like, oh, my gosh, you are our people. Because <laughs> just looking at the details. Yeah. yeah. When you notice the stickers, so many people would just walk right past those stickers, not even give it a second look or even acknowledge that it's there. Um, you know, everyone's running around from ride to ride or show to show or whatever. And, you know, you actually stop and take in the ambiance and the the details around you. So that's awesome. Your your photo album looks <laughs> a lot like ours. That's <laughs> I do need to organize it at yes, all. That, like, that's that is the difficult part, yeah. <laughs> Eric, if you I, if you remember where they were from, maybe you should send them to Amanda and Kevin. They can add them to some cards. I I very distinctly remember where a lot of those were from because well, yeah, I, I've I've I probably have like ten pictures of the same sticker. Every time I go, I'm like, I gotta get more. I gotta get them all here. I, I don't. I haven't organized it, so I don't know if I have this one or not. But <laughs> yeah. see, with that, every time you go to the park, you know that that sticker is there. Do you like kind of? look over at it every time you're there <laughs> absolutely See? absolutely that's exactly like what brings me so much joy is from taking all of these pictures again you have a better appreciation for all the detailing especially in a disney park and 
that's what I do when when we're at any Disney park because we have all these images in my head. You know, I, I I see all of these different things, and I give them a little a little nod. It might not be a physical nod, but in my head, I'm like, yeah, I see you. You know, I know that you're right. there. Kind of it. I'm hoping you know <laughs> the this Disney spirits around. You know, there's good Disney ju- juju. You know that I'm acknowledging the details. So, Definitely. you know, a little the thank one... you for still being there. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry the the one that we found in critter country that's on the wall of the store there that's vague enough that i don't think anybody will have any idea what i'm talking about but you will know what i'm talking about i saw that the last time we were in the park and i pointed it out to somebody and i said that was one of the where in the park things so Mm -hmm. like i and i had never noticed it before then so you're right oh nice once you see it you point it out and we were really nervous about that one with all the construction going on with the splash mountain and so we marched back there for the sole purpose to make sure that image was still there so <laughs> that's great. you guys have such a tough job we gotta go back to the park go. it might be covered oh, up oh no <laughs> it's a great job that's for sure we're gonna be at mousecon bakersfield in january um yes. and we're gonna be at the house of mouse expo in orlando in march Yes. So check out our website, whereinthepark.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Where in the Park. And we will give you all the details and information about who's there, how to get tickets, all that fun jazz. Also sign up for their newsletter because you guys always have fun stuff in your newsletter. Oh, thank you. Yes, yes you can do that from that our one. website as well, whereinthepark.com. <laughs> well, thanks. That That sounds amazing. I definitely have more more to look into here because I've so far just been on Instagram and I heard you on Deal Weekly. But yeah, thanks for joining us and everybody else. Thanks for listening and join us next time where we continue to talk all things Disney. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.